part of the media ministry of Cornerstone Church. You can listen to this and other messages on our website at www.corner-stone.org or by subscribing to our podcast. You can be seated and open your Bibles to Philippians chapter 3. We're going to be looking at this passage for a while. Uh, Last year, this year, we picked out uh, a vision verse, is what I call it. It's just kind of a verse to kind of cast kind of a theme for the year. And last year, it was Galatians 2.20. And we talked about what it meant to really die to self, to die and be risen in Christ. This year, we're looking at Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. And it's a, a passage that... Paul takes and he describes as a race. And it's going to be our vision for this year. And the theme is really maturity. Because one thing that God does as he calls us to to follow him is to call us into maturity. And one of the things that we find in this passage is that Paul begins to talk about this process of maturity being like a race. Now, I don't know about you, but have you ever wondered, especially if you grew up in the church, you've been going to church for a long time, have you ever wondered what some of those Old Testament, New Testament characters look like? I mean, it's hard to imagine Moses not looking like Charlton Heston. I mean, that's kind of in our mind. I'm going, okay, he has to look like that because he's just, you know, that's what Moses looks like. But the Apostle Paul, have you ever wondered what the Apostle Paul looked like? I mean, it's one of those things where you sit there and you begin to to wonder. And some people say that he was kind of short. Some people say that he really wasn't all that attractive, you know, not just a nice-looking guy. I don't know what he looked like, but one thing that I really don't imagine when I'm thinking and picturing Paul in my mind is, is a, an apostle with a running shirt on and shorts, Nike shorts, you know, with Nikes on, ready to run a race. And yet, time after time after time, when we open up Paul's letters, he talks about racing. He uses a lot of sports analogies. He talks about wrestling. He talks about boxing. But his favorite analogy from the sports world as he talks about the Christian life is racing, running. He's always talking about running this race. Well, we find that throughout his writings to the Corinthians. He wrote this in 1 Corinthians 9.24. He said, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. He's writing to that church and he says, Okay, life, Christian life is kind of race. And make sure that you're running to win. When he was writing to his understudy, Timothy, he wrote these. And this would have been in the last days of his life. He wrote this to Timothy, 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished what? The race. He said, my life, my Christian life has been like a race. And he says, I can see the end now. I can see the finish line. I can see the tape strung across there. And he says, I'm finishing the fight. I have kept the faith. In Hebrews, now, before you say, Paul didn't write Hebrews. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. I personally think that it has a lot of Pauline um, kind of tendencies in it. And so maybe Paul didn't write it directly, but I, I do think that he had a lot of influence, whoever did write it, if Paul himself didn't. But we don't know who wrote Hebrews. But listen to see if this doesn't sound like something Paul would write. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses... Let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. I mean, you see kind of Paul having some influence there? Uh, Basically, he said, man, when you get to run and race, he says, anything that would encumber you, anything that would kind of hold you back, throw that off. Any distraction, throw it off. Well, this morning has been a morning of distractions. I mean, even at home, I was getting, trying to get my printer to work. It would not work. I told Carly, I said, you know, I'm about to throw this printer through the wall here. 
And it's just one of those frustrating things that, you know, machines are great, but when they don't work, you know, you kind of get frustrated. And I said to myself, I really did say this. I said, it's going to be a great morning. It really is. Now, I don't know if that is just us, you know, our human nature of going, okay, it's all Satan. Whenever difficulty comes, it has to be Satan. Sometimes it is just that the printer's not working. Okay, it really is sometimes. Then I come to church, and there's a couple other frustrating things. The life group is back there. They're studying God's Word, having a great lesson, and about some drip, drip, drip. And the drip turns into a, a kind of a faucet and then to a mighty flow. And the ceiling in the kitchen comes down with a busted pipe. That's why uh, we're not just being mean when we say, don't use the restrooms this morning. Well, we, we literally have had to turn off the water. And again, I, you know, instead of frustration, I was going, you know, yeah, I'm kind of frustrated by that, but it's going to be a good, good morning. The fact that we've been able to have baptism week after week, the fact that God is moving, that, that God has called us to a, a place of maturity, that he's a personal God, this is a wonderful thing, guys. It really is. And yet, this morning really has been a picture of life. It's a picture of frustrations and intentions. And I don't know about you, but it really does get really frustrating when your intentions, you've got it planned out, you've got it scaled out, you've got it mapped out, and then all of a sudden, your intentions don't go through. And frustrations come. And it's how we deal with that that I think is part of what Paul is addressing here. He's talking about his desire for maturity in Christ. And he begins with his utter dependence on God's grace for salvation. Before he starts talking about maturing in Christ and growing more mature in Christ, one thing that Paul does is solidify that his salvation is built on what Christ has done and not what he has done. So before we talk about maturity this year and maturing in Christ, we have to come back to where kind of Paul came back to and realize that maturity in Christ is secondary It's the second kind of step to the foundational step of trusting Christ as our Lord and Savior. Now, we've got some really big, fancy, you know, theological words that go along with this. We looked at some of those last week. And, um, but look what Paul said in Philippians 3, 9. Right there in our passage, but we're going to go a couple verses up from 12 through 14. And look what he said. He says, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness from God that depends on faith. Now, what is Paul saying? Last week, we looked at three words that describe what happens to a Christian. Theological words, kind of fancy words. Does anybody remember what those three words were? All I hear is murmuring, okay? Because nobody is so sure of their answer that they said, yes, justification. Uh, justification, sanctification, and glorification. Okay, those three words, we're, we're not trying to attend seminary here. We're not trying to be scholars, even though there's nothing wrong with being scholarly with the things of God. Folks, these three words really have an important play in the way that we understand life. And when we begin to look into the Word of God, we see in the New Testament these three words, justification, sanctification, and glorification, we see them throughout the New Testament message. And we begin to see that Paul begins here in verse 9 and says, Okay, I was justified. I was made right with the Holy God, not because I attended church a whole bunch, 
Not because I got wet and some preacher dunked me into a, a baptismal pool. Not because I tried really hard. Or not because I did more good than bad. He said it's one thing and one thing alone. It's the work of what Christ did. That's his beginning of this walk. It's justification. Now I want you to understand that justification, folks, happens instantly. It's instantaneous. There's a moment in the life of a Christian when God opens our eyes to the beauty of the treasure of Christ and the beauty of the gospel, and, and we open our eyes and we see that our need for Christ, and when we put our dependence in and we claim, hey, that what Christ did on the cross, that's what I trust for my salvation. That's what I trust to be made right with the holy God. That is, I believe, the moment of salvation. And in an instant, we are justified, made right with the holy God. Very, very important concept. We go on, we begin to see that Paul talked about that last one. What was the last one? There was justification, sanctification, and glorification. Now, glorification is what we think of oftentimes. That's the fancy word, if we want to say, for what's going to happen one day when we go to heaven. Okay? And Paul talks about that in this same passage. Look down at verses 20 and 21. Philippians 3, verses 20 21. He said, But our citizenship is in heaven... And from it we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do what? Transform our lowly body to be made like His glorious body. Yeah, that's a good thing. So he talks about, you know, in the beginning, he talks about being justified, and then he talks about being glorified. It's in the middle that we're going to really focus this year. Because that's sanctification. Here's the thing, guys. Justification being made right with the Holy God? Happens instantaneous. I was 12. You may have been 14. You may have been 7. You may have been 24. But it's a time in your life when God opened your eyes to the beauty of the gospel. He drew you to himself, and you trusted that, that Christ was enough. You didn't have all the verses of the Bible memorized. You didn't know sanctification, glorification, and all these different things. You just knew that God had paid a price for what separated you, your son. And then he did it gladly, and he did it lovingly, and you trusted that. That, folks, is justification. Happens instantaneous. Here's the good thing. That glorification, guess how long that's going to take? No, the glorification is, in one way, it's going to take your whole life. But in one way, when he really does come, what's going to happen? Instantaneous glorification. I mean, for those that are still alive, we're going to trade this body for that body instantly. For those who have died, as Paul said, fallen asleep in Christ, we go from a grave to a glorified body. It's pretty cool. So instantaneous, instantaneous, but in the middle of sanctification, maturity. How long does that take? Your whole life, yeah. And does it ever seem like it's two steps forward, three steps back? This is a race. This is what he calls the race. And this morning we're going to look at this and, and, you know, look at what Paul says here. Because I think if we can understand something really simple about this race, we we begin to really uh, take a lot of the stress, if you want to say, out of daily living. It gives us kind of, you know, uh, understanding. Because let's be honest, guys. In our human nature, do we like process over a long time or do we like instantaneous? Yeah. Would you agree that homemade mashed potatoes are better than instant potatoes. But when you're at home, 
you're going through the day, what do you get out? This box, you're going to, how are mashed potatoes going to come out of this box? You pour it in there, you, you put in some water, and all of a sudden it's mashed potatoes. I'm still kind of befuddled how that really works. But, but, but there's an advantage to our human side of instantaneous. We, we like instant. We like everything being now. We like our problems to be over now. And yet everything that we see about the Christian life is, except for this justification, being made right with Holy God because it's totally dependent on Christ, that was instant. This glorification, it's going to be instant. But this whole thing in between that we call life, not really instant. And folks, that's where a lot of Christians, and that's where a lot of people get very frustrated. They get frustrated in their own walk. They get frustrated to be real honest with God. And why, why did the, the, the pipe have to bust? And why did the, the thing, and why did my transmission have to go out? And why did this happen? And why did that happen? I mean, we, we have a lot of whys because there's not this instantaneous maturity. It's a process of maturity. I mean, let's face it, if, we're, if we have an illness and the doctor said, okay, I, I've got two suggested paths you can go down. You take this pill and you're instantly cured. You, go, you take this, and it's going to be about a five-year process. I mean, I, I'm not trying to be trite. I, I'm just saying, isn't it obvious what we're drawn to? Have you noticed what uh, one of the mortgage companies, they have a rocket mortgage now. And what's the whole thing? Man, you can almost instantly, you don't have to go through months of filling out paperwork and this and the other. You go on the web, you sign up, we will give you your you know, this, this mortgage for your house, you, you can basically buy this house in about a week or two, you're going to be in this house. Now, how many of you were in a house in about a week or two? Man, do you remember signing those papers? And you'd already sent in all those papers, and yet they called two days before closing and said, can you send us this, 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 and this? You'd already sent it five times. See, the Christian life sometimes seems like that. It can seem like that, guys. Because it is a process. This sanctification, this maturing in Christ, it is a process. It's not instantaneous. I've seen some people, young believers, really grow fast in Christ. I've seen others that have walked you know, or followed Christ, supposedly for 30, 40 years, and I don't see much difference in them today than I did 30, 40 years ago. But one thing about the Christian life that we notice pretty quickly that it's really the sanctification, this maturing in Christ is not instantaneous. It is a race, but even at that, folks, it is not a sprint, it's a marathon. And you know what we prefer is a sprint. Man, gun goes off, boom, 10, 15, for some of us, 20 seconds later. You cross that 100 meter, 100 yard, you know. You know, man, that's what I want the Christian life to be like. And yet sometimes it's, it's not like that. Look, look at what Paul says. And you, ask, you ascertain this for yourself. You decide this for yourself. By these words, does this sound more like Paul is saying the Christian life, this pathway to maturity, the sanctification is instantaneous, it really happens quick and fast, or if it sounds like it's a pretty drawn out process. Look at verse 13 and 14, Philippians 3. Now realize, let me give one preface to this. Uh, if you weren't here last week. By the time Paul's writing this, he's been a Christian for about 30 years. Okay, that's important to understand that for about 30 years, he's been following Christ by the time he writes this. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, 
forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Last week, we looked at three different aspects of verses 12 through 13, and it was basically this. Number one, there's a time that Paul began to admit his need. Hey, I'm not there yet. Second part, he begins to say, okay, I'm going to forget what lies behind. It's almost what the writer of Hebrews says. Hey, anything that's entangling you to the past that you can't run this race quickly and efficiently, get rid of it. There's a lot of things, guys, that sometimes people will come to me, Pastor, do you think this is a sin? And I'll go, you know, I don't know that it's really a sin or not, but I don't know that it's aiding you in your walk with Christ to love him more and to to serve him more efficiently. And and so the Bible tells at that point, not so much, oh, you're such a bad person. No, it was saying, does that really help you? Does that really further your walk with Christ? And so here, Paul acknowledges his needs. Secondly, he says, you know, I'm going to forget what's behind, both his accomplishments, but also those things that he did that were wrong. And then third, he says, but I press on toward the prize. And what was that prize? The upward call of Christ. Well, we could kind of play that out in a couple of things. Eventually, being with Christ. But I think mainly if we look at all of Paul's writings and we look at the summation of that, it's maturity of Christ. And that is Christ-likeness. Romans 8.29 that more and more we're conformed to the image of Christ. Now that's the goal. That people would look at your life and people would look at my life and say, man, you just, you just really remind me the way that you handled that was really Christ-like. Is that not cool? Much more than when I said, man, I thought you were a Christian. And yet when this happened in your life, you acted this way. See, this is that sanctification, folks. This is the part that's in the middle. And this is why it's kind of sometimes very challenging to us. Because there's days that, that we really do, through prayer, through encouragement of other believers, through the word, through all this, that we're going, you know, man, this tried to knock me down, but I'm going I'm to march on. In the power of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to march on. But then there's other days that the flesh, this old nature, goes... Why forgive? That person hasn't one, done one thing that's really worthy of forgiveness. That person hasn't even asked you. They haven't said, said that they were sorry. Why should you forgive them? And that old nature says, yeah. I was about to forgive them. I'm not going to forgive them. That's the pull. That's the tension of the Christian life. And so what we see here is when you look at that, doesn't it kind of look like the Christian life is kind of laborious or easy? If you had to pick one of those two words, the Christian life is easy, the Christian life is laborious, which one of those two do you think that you would just kind of, where you are in life right now, which one of those two would you pick? If anybody chose easy, I will gladly let you come up and finish because because it's, it's hard. It's not that there's not some easy times. And I'm not saying that we are prone, folks, that we just, you know, that by default we're always going to fail. No. Uh, by the very power of God in us and the hope of Christ, well, we can have great, great victory in Christ. But I don't know that I've met too many people that have walked with Christ more than six months, six years, or 60 years that said, you know, this thing has been a piece of cake. And ever since I came to Christ, it has been a walk in the Rose Garden every single day. It just is more and more beautiful and better and better. I just haven't met those. And I've met some really fantastic brothers and sisters in Christ. And some of the best, some of the most Christ-like 
have had some of the most difficult lives that I've ever I could even imagine. Have you ever seen that little marathon sticker on the back of 26.2? Anybody know what that is? Did anybody kind of wonder what that was the first time you saw 26.2? What, what is that? Well, what is that? Yeah, distance of a marathon. You see that in the back. Now, this is either going to be a tell on me or it's going to be a tell on human nature. Have you ever been behind a car and you saw that and you wanted to see who was driving? I mean, is that just me? Or is it one of those, you know, you're hoping that it goes two lanes so you can go up and pull beside. Now, again, this is going to be very telling. It's just my own kind of critical nature. Have you ever pulled up beside and go, that is not your sticker? (laughs) I mean, have you really, you're going, okay, 26.2 donuts, but maybe, you know, but I don't know about miles. Lord, forgive me for that. You know, it's one of those things. But, I mean, there's a curiosity because you see that sticker and doesn't it kind of symbolize something in your mind? Doesn't it kind of register in your mind, hey, this guy's a runner, this girl's a runner. Not just a runner of 5K or something like that. This this is somebody who can really do it 26.2 miles. It's a race, guys. It's not a sprint. It is a marathon. And what Paul's calling us to, please go with the analogy here. Let me kind of stretch this analogy a little bit. What Paul's going to, that that we really should have this 26.2 on on our lives so that when people come up in Brittany, they see you and they see Christ in you and they'll go, man, there's a marathoner. And she's had it tough at times. There's been times, but, but she is following hard after Christ. I think that's what Paul's asking us to do in these verses. I think that's what maturity is. It's, it's, not, hard. it's not easy. It's, it's not simple. It, it's not a dash. It, it very much is one of those things where uh, it's, a, it's a long journey, guys. And, and when we see that sticker on a car, we're going, okay, this person, what we deduce, something, we don't even know this person's name, but we go, okay, this person is dedicated and they must be disciplined to be able to do something like that. And that's the call that God places on the life of a Christian. He places this on on our lives, that you and I are to be making much of Christ in our lives. And we don't just follow this moral code so that we can say, okay, these are the things we do and these are the things we don't do. Folks, I, I talk about this moral code all the time because that's not life. Please never hear that that gives us permission to go out there and do anything that we want. No, we're called into holiness. But the holiness doesn't come by the avoidance of just the bad. It comes when we just follow hard after Christ. And I spent probably the first 25 to 30 years of my Christian life, even some of my early years of the pastorate, more focused on avoiding bad than following Christ. And it was a legalism. It was a lot of just structure. It was this. And I tell you, folks, if there was one word that summed up my Christian life, it was frustration. You know why? Because I was running the wrong race. I was running this race going, okay, man, I, I, I can't do this, I can't do this. I, man, what can I do? Pray and read the Bible. I, you know, I'd kind of summed that up in my early Christian years. And, and, and as much as we were pray and read the Bible, that's not what Paul is talking about. What he's talking about is that we just follow hard after Christ. He talks about pressing on. And pressing on is probably going to be the most challenging thing that God has ever asked you to do in your ability to press on. 
He, he will give you the strength. Holy Spirit will equip you to press on. But, but there is a point of pressing on that, that is ownership of you putting faith and trust in the principles and the truth of Christ Jesus. Because there's going to be days that you don't want to press on. There's going to be days that you don't want to press on in your job, that you don't want to press in, on in your marriage, that, you're not going to, that you don't want to press on and, and just responsibilities. There's going to be days, guys, that you don't want to press on and, and attending a local church and being part of a local family. And there's going to be days like that, if not weeks, if not months like that. And so this call to press on is not for salvation. He talks about pressing on. There's a lot of pressing on in a marathon. Has anybody ever run a marathon? Bob has. Okay. Did you have to press on? Yeah. Yeah. At, 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 at what point did the first urge that you had to press on, Bob, and this isn't rehearsed, he's not a, a plant, you know, <laughs> You know, in that 26.2 miles, can you remember a time that you just you didn't want to go on and you had to press on? Yeah. About, and that's what I've heard from a lot of marathoners, that about halfway through, you kind of hit that first little wall. And it's like, wow, I'm only halfway through. I'm totally exhausted. I'm giving out. I've, I'm spent. And yet I've, I'm only halfway through. But you press on. I mean, for those that have middle schoolers, press on. Press on. <laughs> you know? Because you're, you're halfway through. And you're going, man, this is really hard. Man, my middle schooler, what happened? We're still studying that. Psychologists are still wondering. <laughs> no, it's one of those things you press on. Because that's the upward call of Christ. is for us to be Christ-like in all the things in our life. I want to share with you this, this truth that's amazingly simple, and, and yet it's profound, not because it's my point this morning, but I think it's profound in its simplicity. There's a lot of things in life that are so simple that they're profound. And here's the thing, guys. Realize the actual race that God has called you to run. Because so many times we can run the wrong race. I, I ran, uh, I'm not much of a runner. I like biking. I like that kind of stuff, um, but not running. And uh, I ran a 5K, my one and only 5K. And uh, my, my, yeah, not long at all. And so I went with my friend down in South Georgia. They were having a festival. It was, you know, the Nat Day 5K, which the name by itself should tell you something. And, and so uh, I get out there, and this guy's an experienced runner. And I get out there, and, man, the, the first section of it, I'm like in the first 50 people. I'm going, what a bunch of, you know, <laughs> I'm going, these guys are just, I mean, I cannot believe. My own friend who trained and ran miles all the time is way back then. I'm just, man, up there in the front. In the second little section there, I hit the wall and then some. By the third section, little old women were coming by. <laughs> Seriously, are you all right, son? Do I need to get you something? Folks, I had no strategy. I had no strategy whatsoever. The only running that I'd ever done is in athletics. And for the most part, in athletics, basketball, football, baseball, you hit the ball, you run as fast as you can to first base. Football, you get the ball, you run as fast as you can toward the, the end zone. I, my whole life had been involved in running in sprints. And I had no concept of a strategy that said, you know, this is pretty long, and you don't expend all your energy right at first. 
That's what many people do in the Christian life. They, really, they don't have a strategy. And Paul is trying to give us a strategy here. Look what he says in verse 12. He describes his race in verse 12. He says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. He, he's admitting his need. He says, okay, here's the race I'm running. I want to be more Christ-like, and I'm not there yet. So he identifies his race. Now listen really carefully, guys. Did he say, my race is for my salvation? No. He already settled that back in verse 9. He's not talking about justification. But here's the trap that we can fall into, guys, if we don't know good theology and if we don't have our eyes centered on the finished work of Christ. You can be well-meaning, you can love Christ, and you can be running the Christian race for your salvation rather than for maturity. And I've seen people do that. I've seen people go, man, Bobby, I, I blew it. I, I don't think that God loves me anymore. I, I think that, you know, I, I don't know this, I don't know that. And, and they begin to wonder about, even if they're walking with Christ, that, that justification. Folks, he knows that he already has that, because what does he say? What's the last part of verse 12? What's that last Because has done what? He said that. That refers back up to verse 9 of what Christ said. He said, look, the race I'm running is one of maturity. It's one of sanctification. It is not one of salvation. It's not one of justification. That Christ has claimed me. Now, you might say, okay, Bobby, I, I, I don't know that that's really you know, where I am in life. But I just seen too many people kind of get caught up in that. So, you know, I, I want to be good enough. Have you ever wondered how good enough is good enough if that's the race that you're running? I mean, a lot of people think Christianity is running a race to be good enough. And that good enough, how good do you need to be if you're going to be accepted into the family of a holy God? You have to be perfect. The Bible makes it real clear, guys. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. None of us have been able to run that race. And yet, if we're not careful, we very much can make Christianity a race of goodness. And that's not what it is. When you get into that whole goodness battle, sometimes it's like, okay, I did one bad, so I better do one good. Have you ever, at least kind of in the back of your mind, ran your Christian life like that? Here's the problem. What if you're 50 years old, you've never come to Christ, and you use that kind of mentality? Well, I better do one good for every one bad. You better be living to 50 plus. I mean, to 100 plus to make up. I mean, if that's your mentality, folks, that's why it's all on Christ. It's all on Christ. Have you ever played a game before, and you kind of get ahead, and then somebody changes the rules? Oh, no, you don't have to go around once. You have to go around five times. I didn't tell you that. It's frustrating. God doesn't change the rules on you guys. He says, you you want to run the race of maturity? He said, it's about maturity. It's not about salvation. Salvation is only going to come through what my son did. And he did it completely. When he said it was finished, it was finished. Now you either glory in that and you participate in that. Or you're left to run this other race that you'll never win. 
had a friend one time. I was telling Andy this morning. Uh, he changed majors three years into a four-year degree. Now, it ended up good because he, he found what he really liked to do. But he ended up doing seven years. Like seven years. Now, some other people have done seven years, not because they changed majors, but because they just spent a lot of time in college. But this person, he started out in one direction, and he found out that's not really the, the, you know, what he wanted to do in life, and so he changed directions. Can you imagine his frustration? To run a race for three years in one direction? I said, well, that's not really the right race. I want to run this race. And four years later, you get that degree. I mean, the, the end of that story is that he's very happy in what he does, so it's a success. But here's what I would want to eliminate from my life and from your life, that you wouldn't spend the balance of your Christian life running a race and then finding out later on in life that wasn't even the race I was supposed to run. I was running this whole thing on goodness and how good I could be and what I had to put off and all this, and I did not find that it simply was a finished work in Christ Jesus. Because the end, folks, you're going to be very frustrated. Look at verse 13 and 14. Look at the sense of direction that Paul has. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Maturing in Christ, he said, I've, I've got this down. I know the race that I'm in right now, and that is to be more Christ-like in my life. There is no absence of strain there. I mean, but look at the direction. He says to look forward. You know, I'm straightening forward. He's talking about uh, keeping the prize in, in sight. I mean, there's an effort there. You look at that verse, and it's not one of ease. And sometimes we just want Christianity to be ease. We, we say, man, you know, if it's the thing of God, it should, it should be easy. And it's not easy sometimes. It truly is the sanctification part, not the justification and not the glorification. The sanctification, becoming more like Christ, maturing in Christ. Folks, it really does take effort. Don't confuse it with a race for salvation. It's a race for maturity in Christ-likeness. Simple question. We're going to close this morning. What race are you running this morning? And for this year, what race? Is it going to be a race of goodness, how good you can become? Is it a race of, of you know, trying more and more to, 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 to be the perfect wife, the perfect mother, the perfect this, the perfect that? I mean, I appreciate that, that we put ourselves to something. But, folks, the only joy that we have, the, the only race that, that the Bible says that we are to be running right now is this race toward maturing in Christ, looking more and more like Him. And I promise you, there's enough task out there to do in all these other areas of being a, a, a wife or a mother, a husband or a father. Man, we can make a long list of tasks. But without the power of Christ, without running the right race and making sure that, that we just see that only as we you know, bow down to Him, as we run hard after him. That gives us the ability to do these other things that he's called us to do. Because I do believe that God really wants me to be a good husband. I believe that God has placed a call upon my life to be a godly father. I believe that he wants me to be a faithful pastor. But that comes after I understand 
that he's my foundation and that I'm walking in his light, his love, and his power. And not just trying to be good. So maybe this morning, I mean, if, maybe this makes sense to you. Maybe it doesn't make sense to you whatsoever. I just have a burden this, as we start off this year of focusing on maturity. Uh, I want to set it up right because I don't want anybody to think, okay, are you saying that if we keep on getting better and better and better, that, that God's going to love us because that? No, he loves you because of what Christ did. Second Corinthians 5.21. He took all of our sins and he cast them upon Christ. He took all the righteousness of Christ and he imputed that. He placed that upon you. That's why we can stand here this day and say that God has finished it. But in this maturing process, it is a race, guys, and it's a marathon. Please don't try to make it a sprint. Because you'll you'll really get frustrated when you run 100 yards and you gave it all you got. And things didn't turn out. Then all of a sudden, it's the church's fault. It's the husband's fault. It's, it's the kid's fault. It's the parent's fault. It's somebody's fault. And you begin to look. It's because you're running the wrong race. This morning, as we close, uh, as we said last week, it's worth repeating. Is there something you need to leave behind in order to mature in Christ in 2017? Is there something you just say, man, this is not helping me. It's not necessarily sinful. It's not necessarily you know, something I would categorize. As some, but it's just not helpful in my run. And I just want, I want to be unencumbered and follow hard after Christ Jesus. Second question this morning is just, you know, just do you trust implicitly in what we call, this is going to sound so holy and so spiritual, in the power of the Holy Spirit to enable you to, to, to be more like Christ? Because if not, what we do is we look for us just to get stronger. And you'll never find that in the Bible. To run this marathon, it's the power of the Holy Spirit within us that enables us to do it. It does take our uh, agreement, our responsibility. We, we have a place in this. But folks, bottom line is the power of God in me. That's what Paul was saying. And I can do this because of the power of God in me. Not just because I'm a really good man. So, so what race are you running? Is it the right race? Do you want to be more mature in Jesus Christ and lean heavily upon him? Know that justification, your, your, your salvation, completely done in Christ and Christ alone if you've come to that place in your life. Know that glorification is going to happen. It's going to happen in a moment. But in the meantime, will you join me in a marathon? Because I need you. I need you in this marathon. Because there's too many times, Bob, that I hit that mile 12. I mean, I wouldn't even be able to make it to mile 3. But theoretically, I hit number. And you need that person beside you. You say, man, keep on running. Keep on running. And that's why we need one another. That's why we gather, guys. That's why God chose for us to meet in local assemblies with brothers and sisters in Christ. Because today, maybe, I got some good, you know, running but Ricky, maybe it's you that's going, man, I hit the wall. I have nothing left. And that's my responsibility and, and my joy as a Christian brother. Say, man, brother, I, hey, let's lock arms. Let's run. Let's run together. That's what it's about, guys. And husbands need that out of wives. Wives, you need that out of husbands. Our kids need that just to lock arms and say, man, can I run for you a little bit? Because I'm feeling kind of strong right now. And so I'll run. I'll pray with you. I'll, I'll run with you. 
Let's pray together this morning. Father God, will you help us to, to determine what race we're running? Father, there may be some in here this morning that really, Father, they, uh, they don't know you in a personal way. Father, maybe they've been running a race of goodness. And Father, maybe they've been running a race of just trying to be good enough to be accepted by you. And Father, will you give them a clear understanding this morning Father, that you love them not because of the good things that you do. You love them because Christ, your Son, gave His life for them. But Father, for those this morning that, uh, that would say, yes, I know without a doubt I am a Christian. I know it's based on what Christ did and not what I've done. And now, as I await this glorification that will come one day, I'm trying to be more like Christ. And it's frustrating. Because I feel like I go two steps forward and at least one step back. Father, you, will you show them this morning that that's really not out of the norm? <laughs> that a marathon is tough and taxing? And that's why we need you. And that's why we need each other. Father, I thank you this morning that uh, you've broken every chain, every obstacle in our life, Father. You've sent Christ to deliver us. So that as we run forward this year, it's to be more and more like your son. Father, there really isn't any excuse. Father, really isn't anything that we can come back and say, hey, I would have run this race, but this held me back. Father, you're a chain breaker. You, you take things that would encumber us. And Father, through the cross, you've given us victory. So help us to run. Father, run in a way that makes uh, just an impact on this county, our neighbors and our friends that they might see that theoretical 26.2 on the back of our shoulder and go, and that, that person reflects Christ. He's running the marathon of the Christian race. Father, we love you. We thank you. We give you this time as we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you for listening today. We hope this message was a blessing to you. To learn more about our church or our media ministry, you can visit us online at www.corner-stone.org or find us on Facebook.